Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. All right, welcome inside the Permission Granted Podcast, everybody. Thanks for being with us. DA with you. As always, go to the PGP on iTunes, search Permission Granted Podcast, and you'll find us and simply subscribe for free. You'll get full episodes of the Permission Granted Podcast uploaded automatically to your iTunes, then also you want to listen to it on the normal DA show feed, you can do that, or on the DA On Demand webpage, daoncbs.com. Now, a little twist here. As I'm doing the side A with James Ward, and I do this because I want a viewpoint of Mraz's Monday bird seed bet minus Mraz. Usually, he's got his big, thick ham hock fingerprints all over the entirety of the PGP. So, Let's start here, James. Do you think Mraz was properly humiliated? For a normal person, he was properly humiliated. But I do believe that Mraz cannot actually get embarrassed. It's, Interesting. It's one of his better traits. He can throw himself out there and make a total fool of himself and not get embarrassed by it at all. So I think if I was in Mraz's situation, I would be totally humiliated but I think the big guy just loves attention any way he can get it. He does love attention so much that it does make you wonder if it's almost something that he takes glee in, having that much attention, even if it's bad attention. But I will say the way he looked in that Speedo was really embarrassing. Very embarrassing. He looked bad in that. It, bad. I knew he was going to look bad, but he took bad to another level. That thing was holding on for dear life. Well, you work out almost every day, and you've been on a weight training regimen for a year now, more than that? A couple years, yeah. A couple of years. I try to work out as much as possible, and our physiques are very important to us, at least for me, like staying healthy and making sure my cardio is up and that I just don't become a fat ass is very important. So if, if I lost to bed and was in a Speedo, I would work my ass off for those months getting up there so that I really could at least not feel totally yeah, shame. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't – I would feel totally embarrassed if I was in his situation, and I actually feel good about myself. Yeah. So yeah. if I was – I would fast. I would drink lots of water. I would be doing push-ups and sit-ups, you know, while I'm getting undressed just to make sure I still look my best. But I, it was unbelievable. The way that he looked in that Speedo – and maybe it was a little bit, little motivation for him after he saw the way he looked on the screen. He looked so bad in it. I couldn't believe how heavy the belly was that that looped over, that fell over. 
the the it's one thing to be in a speedo. It's another thing to for him just to be. I, I've never seen him without his shirt on outside of doing the uh, the the slippy slide thing at the blog party. <laughs> I couldn't believe how much weight he's carrying. And as you pointed out, he's actually lost weight the last year. He's down thirty pounds. I couldn't believe it. So I I just would have been. I would have been so humiliated because he's, I mean, he's not around, but I can say this. He's just so fat. He's very fat. So fat. <laughs> and I, I don't, <laughs> he's just so fat. <laughs> I don't, but wouldn't if you were in his situation, and it's not like we kind of sprung this on him, the Giants lost when? Early January. Oh, yeah, that's wild card around. The bet took place first week in March. Yeah, that's six weeks. If you weigh 250 at five foot eight, you could <laughs> easily cut 20 to 30 pounds in six weeks. Yeah. All you have to do is go to the gym and, and work out, which apparently he does one of those things, probably not both of them. But you, you'd think if, if you were in that situation, you'd put a little bit more effort to trying to look your best. Well, and why why would you? Because you'd be humiliated. You would, not, you would not want that out there publicly. But then it comes back to what we were just saying before. Maybe you don't care. I think that for Mraz, he cared less about looking like a, a fat you-know-what and more about whether his crotch looked big enough. He was very worried, apparently, about how he looked. At, and I was like, why are you worried about how you look in the pants? Your entire belly is pouring over like Niagara Falls. <laughs> your belly's actually hanging over your crotch, so no yeah. one can actually see it. Yes, and there were pictures we couldn't post. It was so gross. <laughs> he sent us a picture. You saw it. You were on that thread. Yeah. It was me, you, and Joe. And he set his camera up and was looking at the camera and, like, it was kind of a selfie, but kind of just his stomach pouring out. Sucking in and stomach still pouring oh, out. it was hideous. So, and he was worried about whether he looked small in the pants. I'm like, you're missing it. No one's talking about that. No one's worried yeah. about how much you're packing. Everybody's just looking at how giant your stomach is. <laughs> Everyone's looking at the Buddha belly. Yeah. And the moobs. And you're worried about your crotch. It's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I actually felt felt sorry for the pink speedo at the end of the day. You had to. It was holding on for dear life. So because when you bought that speedo, I don't think it knew what it was up against. No, it didn't, and it didn't come in a double X. It only came in a single X. And we're <laughs> like, that's fine, that's fine, that's, that's fine. fine. <laughs> so I really saw fear in his eyes when I first showed up, and there was a bunch of kids and families around the Alice in Wonderland statue, and he was really legitimately fearful. One of the most populated areas in yeah. Central Park. So that's where I was disappointed that birds didn't come down and swoop and peck him. I really wanted that. I, I really, really wanted at least a few to dive bomb him, but it never happened. And I kind of figured that because birds are going to be normally scared away of of human beings. Right. Even I mean, the Central Park pigeons, which are, I'd say are pretty pretty well adjusted yeah they still don't like humans no so i mean we're just natural threats to them so i i I was disappointed with that but i was really happy that he got at a genuine genuine fear when i first showed up of oh my god and the most amazing thing was that part of it was because there was an attractive woman next to him (laughs) and i'm like again i don't 
of all the things, like, are you worried that maybe the cops might show up because of indecent exposure? Okay. That's a big, that would be probably my first worry if yeah. I were him. If you're worried about parents with children that would be really offended and might call the cops, <laughs> okay. It's the marshmallow man. Look over there. Yeah. Yeah. But he's worried about the one twenty something chick that he thinks is going to find him disgusting. Meantime, like, what? Number one, you're married, so you're never getting with this chick. Number two, this chick has zero interest in you. I mean, zero. So why are you picking that out of anything to, like, be totally humiliated by? He's got. He's just a weird guy, I guess. And uh, Mraz actually picked this location, too. Yeah. And I don't. I, we had a little conversation before it. He's like, "Oh, we're going to meet at the Alice in Wonderland statue." And in my head, I was like, "That might be the most populated area of the park. <laughs> Why would you pick that?" And he's like, "It's the only place I knew." Yeah. And then he he, he kind of got what he deserved. He was rightfully humiliated. Yeah. But he actually went through with the bet, which is more than I thought he was going to do. Well, I do give him credit there because once, if I looked like Mraz, and then I saw that speedo and i tried it on i'd be like no i'm out i'll do anything else anything else i do not want me basically naked on social media i mean that's gonna live forever now no matter what he does you could google moraz and you will see a picture and video of him in a in naked with a with a pink speedo on. yes yeah in central park covered in birds yes i know and i just think it's the most amazing postscript to the story that Danielle is so embarrassed because her entire office watched it. <laughs> like, <laughs> she didn't want them knowing how fat he is. Well, <laughs> they've seen him in clothes, right? But it does, it puts it in perspective when he's in nothing but a Speedo. Yeah, I don't think, I'm, I'm actually surprised they make Speedos an extra large. I guess because you know what? I guess here's where I'm coming from on it. Mraz wears his his weight well. When yeah. he's around the when he's around the the building and he just has his normal button down and jeans on, I mean he wears it well relatively. I mean he's not like he's not morbidly obese, but when you see him and all of that all of that chunk is just out there to to flow, you're like, "Wow, that's a lot to haul around on a daily basis. <laughs> it's a lot to stuff into a a little micro speedo." To button your pants over that big Buddha belly. Yeah. I would say this. There are other people in this building that probably weigh around the same weight as Mraz. And he definitely carries it a lot better than some of those yeah. other guys. So I will give him credit there. It's just very interesting. I can't imagine having a belly that big. It's just so far away out of my consciousness. I, it's just... It's so much excess weight for his and body. And it just, like, pulls your body down and slows you down and, like... You're walking around and your Buddha belly's just hanging over your pants. It's just like a weird feeling. Like he's 260, I guess, 270? Yeah, 250, 260. So now that we've seen him minus the shirt and in nothing but the Speedo, what would be his ideal weight? I mean, he probably four or five inches shorter than me, maybe three inches shorter than me. I think, I mean, if he were, you know, a bigger... I'd say probably 185, 190, maybe 200. I think it's probably less than 200. 200, he'd still have a belly. Yeah. So we're now saying he's about 80 pounds overweight. There's about 80 pounds. It's not good. 
about 80 pounds of belly that he doesn't need. And the big guy tonight ate a handful of desserts that were up <laughs> up from a, uh, an event in the another radio station. Can't help himself. A handful of desserts. Literally can't help himself. A handful. Yeah, a couple cookies. Well, the night, the, the Monday night, I guess it was. And then he tried to say that he only eats bad two days a week. <laughs> Well, he's delusional as well. He, what was the day that he destroyed the buffalo chicken pizza? Monday night. It was Monday night. Yeah, three slices buffalo chicken pie. Just down the hatch. And then Friday's usually a Chipotle day. Yeah. Saturday and Sunday. Destroys Destro- everything. Whatever whatever local team is playing that he's a fan of, he's got to watch the game with snacks. I can't believe Danielle really wants him to keep eating well because... He says, you know, he'll just go through the drive-thru on a Saturday night and demolish a couple of junior bacon cheeseburgers and a large fry and a Frosty. And that's just got to kill any little thing that he tried to save weight on, save calories on. She's just got to be beside herself. Like, I can make you a salad every night, but if you're just going to demolish a couple of bacon double cheeseburgers on a on a Saturday night before you go to bed, what am I even bothering? Right. No matter how well you eat during the day, if your night ends with it with a trip through the drive through or a pint of ice cream on the couch, it wasn't a good eating day, okay? And and he can't just get like a burger. He you know, and a bottled water. No way. No. He's got to get like multiple everything. It's a couple junior bacon cheeseburgers, no less than a medium fry. He's dipping fries in the frosty. It's a win for him if he doesn't get a frosty. It's actually considered a good eating day if he goes to Wendy's and doesn't get the frosty. I didn't think we were going to spend 20 minutes discussing how chubby Mraz is. This is the, maybe this but, is the, the, the help he needs. But this I just is the intervention for Moraz. He was properly humiliated on Monday, and he needed that. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to get him healthy, but he needed that because he was so arrogant about the bet, and he needed to be chopped down the size. I will do anything. Remember how arrogant he was about the Giants winning that week? Oh. He had there was no doubt in his mind they were going to win. They were going to demolish him. And then when Bart's going on and on and on that week about I forget what it was, but he was the Giants' defense was going to be. To uh, huff and wind. Yeah, and so they were going to be really angry, and they were going to take it out of the Packers, and they had, oh, DRC was going to be great, and nobody knew how good Landon Collins was yet, and he was just, it was going to be a blowout by the Giants. I mean, he really deserved getting kicked in the butt. Yeah, he definitely did, and I remember at the time, as a Giants fan, I was upset that he was running his mouth so, so much because I knew it was the kiss of death. Yeah. I knew that he was going to end up having to do something stupid, which he did. Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, but and that was kind of the 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 one bright spot for me with the Giants losing was that I knew at the end of the day, Mraz was still going to have to do something dumb. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So that is side A of the PGP. Side B, where Mraz weighs in on the bird seed bet. Is right now. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. All right, welcome into Side B of the Permission Granted Podcast. I am Mraz, the host of Side B on the PGP and the executive producer of the DA Show. Join for one of the final times here on the PGP 
by the current associate producer of the DA show, Joe D'Aloisio. Joe, what's up, man? Shawnee, how are you, buddy? Have you mentally checked out yet on your, uh, you know, farewell tour? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm keeping the tour kind of quiet. I don't want the attention on me, but I, I will admit anytime you do tell me to do extra work, I tell you, no, I'm not doing it. I'm done doing work. You get a little snippy, but I do have to give you credit, um, and we will get into the disaster at Central Park on Monday in just a moment, because we're going to take you behind the scenes of all of that. But first things first, Friday's DA show, I think, will be one of those nights I will never forget where I was, when it happened, and who I was with, which would be you. Which was, if you were listening on Friday, and there's no podcast in existence of this online to go back and show you what happened Friday. The tapes have been deleted. The tapes have been deleted. Essentially, DA, after taking off, being sick, he was sick on Wednesday, did the show. Woke up Thursday was a mess. Totally sick, disaster, and you heard JJ do the show Thursday. Friday, I got a text from DA. I'm still not 100%. Let's book some extra guests. It's Friday. We're just going to have to basically dink and dunk this show. What happens then after that? DA shows up Friday. He looks at me square in the face, and he says, Listen, whatever you guys want to talk about today, you know, I'll quarterback this thing. Let's just get everybody involved. And he looked like death. I said, Okay. All right, but you know what? DA's a pro. DA knows his body better than we would know his body. He felt well enough to come in, I guess. He starts to show Joe. Okay, he does the happy... His voice gives out, and he gave a crack and a squeal, basically like he was McLovin and Superbad. You know, you know that kind of crack, you know, where, like, the, your buddy who was the last one to hit puberty in, like, ninth grade gets? <laughs> basically, he sounded like a, as if he was going through puberty. Yeah, so... I've worked in radio now since 2010, either in part-time or full-time some fashion. I never heard anything like that in my life. DA stepped on the floor, and as he put it on Monday when he returned, basically broke his ankle. His voice cracked and plummeted out, and his entire voice box froze. We did about a 10-minute segment, which felt like I was basically doing the cold open, talking about the Kirk Cousins three-way trade rumors. And he threw the break. He came. We're going to take you behind the scenes now. He comes in the control room, Joe. And he, he taps out. He looks at us and goes, guys, this isn't happening tonight. And I I looked at him. I looked at Joe and I said, well, what do you mean it's not happening tonight? Now, how this usually goes, if you want to call out sick, just like any other job, you let your boss know either in the morning or the day before, hey, I'm not feeling well. Give him a little, a little advance. Right. Just like DA did Thursday morning before Thursday evening show. Didn't do that on Friday. As you can imagine, unlike being at insert office job here where your work just gets backlogged, you bang out, and then you have to make up for the work when you come back, we need a host to fill in for DA. Listen, would I have gladly loved that opportunity? Sure. But you know what? I'm not on the host payroll right now. You should have took that opportunity and ran with it. Something tells me I would have been fired. I think I would have done a good job. I think it would have been worth the risk, though. Maybe. Point being... The only thing I could think of on the fly was J.J. I know lives close enough to where we are in downtown New York City. Lives in Staten Island, as you can tell by his accent. And I looked at D.A. I'm like, I could call J.J. Steve. He's around. Joe, you were in lockstep with that. D.A., I could have basically uttered anything. I could have said, you know, I'm going to have Pope Francis flying from Rome to do the show. He'd have been like, do whatever you got to do. He was out. You know what I mean? D.A. tapped out. There was no chance of him carrying that show. So now, if you guys were listening Friday... And you heard any of this, uh, you heard what was going on. You know that Friday during the second segment, there was no tease or anything like that coming out of DA and my monologue from Kirk Cousins. We came out with an interview uh, with 
uh, Keith Dambrot, the Akron uh, head coach, who used to be LeBron's head coach in high school. That was something that we had pre-recorded on Wednesday, and we were holding for Friday's show regardless. So we were going to play that at some point Friday. We didn't have any other choice because DA couldn't go back on the air, so we fired that off at 6.20 p.m. Eastern. So we're taking it behind the scenes on the timeline there. I pull it. He goes, okay, that's good. That'll get us to the point where he could jump back in there and toss to Berman, which was, wasn't pretty. Not a pretty sight. You know, no, here's a CBS Sports update. Here's Jay Berman. So you Boom. heard that. Right back to break. So if you, we heard, if you were paying close enough attention, you knew, okay, well, I didn't know an interview was coming up. Now I hear DA offer this. Doesn't sound the same because his pipes are different on Wednesday. Basically, what me and Joe were going through is we calmed, we were so calm, very much like Eli Manning in Super Bowl 42. It was shocking, honestly. It was shocking because I expected both of us to panic. I got a hold of JJ. While this is going on, DA is trying to call one of our bosses. I'm trying to call another. Neither of them are answering their phone, both in transit on the way home for the day. Bad job by the bosses. You got to be by the phone. <laughs> well, point being, JJ was able to come in, and I made the call as the producer of the DA show. Get JJ in here. Now, at this point, I am petrified, Joe. And yep. I'm trying not to show DA that I'm petrified. My main thought here, as I drop a water bottle behind me, my main thought is that the bosses are going to be upset with me because now I have called in a host without their permission, but I tried to get their permission. I'm proud of the fact that you took an authoritarian, is that the word? Stand? Yeah. Stand. First time in my life. First time ever, and you you actually made an executive producer decision that was a very smart one and beneficial for the show. Right. I was shocked. Well, J.J. was very good at communicating with me, and he told me the exact time he could get there, which would be somewhere in between the first segment of the seven. But D.A. knew, even with playing that pre-recorded interview with Dambrod, he couldn't get back out there and throw a couple innings. No, he was done. So we went back to Monday's show, and we pulled our last uh, segment with Steve Overmeyer in studio. Actually, combined two segments. Yeah, it was a little bit more than just that last segment. So as we've settled things down, we know J.J.'s coming in. We start throwing this together, and now, by the way, it's separated into two different segments because we have such a long segment at the end there that we're playing the 10 questions, playing that. You, Joe, to your credit, you had two different blocks, and nobody could even know that there would have been like a second gap between firing audio out of our, our machine. You were just very good. You faded one pot out. You put another up. We were putting out fires all over the place. I thought I was going to screw that up. Yeah. I figured it out, what I had to do, and then I was like, there's a good chance that I screw this up because sometimes I just screw up the little the little things, but we nailed it. So that was the first hour of Friday's show. So if you listened, you heard DA and myself essentially do a monologue and Kirk Cousins, Tony Romo. Then you heard uh, a pre-recorded interview that you had that had never been heard before because it was supposed to be played. Then you heard a replay of Overmeyer. At this point... I am shocked that I hadn't gotten many tweets asking, hey, everything okay there? What's going on? Because it's starting to sound like a best of show. However, Joel in Green Bay, of course, is the one person that notices. And he has your number for some reason, has your number. And he starts texting you, Joe. Texting you. Yeah. Joel, of course, would be the one to find out right away and notice what the hell's going on. So he decided to, te- to text me and say, you know, what is what is going on? Why, you know, is DA sick? He goes, we are not live. We, first of all, as if he's part of the program. Right. We are not live. What is going on? Are you guys improvising and overcoming with a sick DA? Now, Joel texts texts me a lot. I don't always respond. And that was one of the texts where there was absolutely no reason to respond because we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, what's going on. And then eventually... We ended up figuring out JJ comes in, saves the day, etc. But at the same time, Joel, the only one that would really be listening with a close ear and notice every single detail that was going on. 
What a jerk. Uh, that's what I got to say about Joel. What a jerk. Finally, and I think this, I want to apologize to Monmouth. We had King Rice on the show, I think it was two, last Tuesday. We pulled that to come out of the top of the second hour with. And what happens to Monmouth now that we've played King Rice twice there in a week? They get the zig. They get the zig. They're not even going to the NCAA tournament now. So we, we jinx them. But you know who is from the MAC? The Iona Gales. Where Joe is, is working. Cir- circle of life here. Circle of life, Big Joe. circle. JJ arrives for the second segment. Comes right out. Shows flies by from there. Ends up bosses get a hold of myself, Joe, and DA. Tell us we handled everything great. So all's well that ends well. So essentially this, this is my my pitch to you guys, the listeners, you loyal listeners of the DA show. If you went looking for a podcast and you don't normally listen to us live, that is the reason one did not exist for Friday's show. There was just chaos. If you were listening live and you just went with the punches, no, we weren't trying to play a best of show. We had to make with what we had. And overall, we're all back together now this week and, and everything's going well. And now, Joe, we have to talk about what happened Monday because Friday also in the morning was supposed to be the payoff with the bird seed. Indeed it was. We had pubbed that, and and basically with the freezing temperatures, knowing DA was out sick the day before, and knowing that I could potentially get hypothermia, the boss has said this is not a good idea. By the way, looking back, thank God it was canceled. Seriously good move, because on Monday when we did pay, when you did pay off the bet, the sun was out, it was warm. It was cold. But I'm, I'm not, when, we, when we decided to go towards the field area... To see if any birds would actually peck at you, it got colder. It so did. I could only imagine what it felt like only in the speedo, looking like a chubbo. Yeah, and it would have been bad on Friday. And by the way, knowing what happened with DA, I'm not so sure the bosses would have appreciated that DA couldn't survive a show if we were at Central Park that day freezing. For sure, if, that, if, that wouldn't ended well. If we were out there Friday, and then DA ends up pulling a fast one and not being able to do the show, oof, that would have been, been bad. bad news. Would have been bad. But anyway, I show up, Central Park, as we've discussed over and over again. And, Joe, I just want to get from you your main takeaway, your biggest surprise of the day, and your favorite moment of the day that was at Central Park. My biggest surprise is that you actually didn't welch. Okay. There was a period of time, as we discussed on the show, right prior to the prior to the point where you took off your clothes and got down into the only the Thunderbox. Bad name, by the way, calling it a thunderbox. <laughs> I could, I could tell. It was very visible that you were anxious, you were nervous, and part of me said, "You know what? I don't blame Sean if he's going to back away right now because there is no chance in hell I would have had the tree nuts to do that." Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay, and what was your biggest, like, your favorite moment? My favorite moment had to be with the squirrel when it, it looked as if you and the squirrel were going to go. Toe to toe in the boxing ring. And I had my money on the squirrel, honestly. That thing was going to chew you apart. Okay, well, now I'm going to take you behind the scenes of the squirrel incident, okay? When that squirrel showed up at the field, I never once considered this whole time at the bet like a squirrel maybe looking to eat some seeds. You know what I mean? I always just consider birds, whatever. Maybe a bird will eat me, maybe they won't. <laughs> There's an ongoing situation going on that hits me close to home with squirrels that I'll let you in on, which is why I'm petrified. I don't know what's happened to my father over the last couple of years. He still has all the marbles, still very sane. But my father has become one of these people on Long Island that is hand-feeding squirrels. Okay? <laughs> all right? Do you understand the craziness of this? Don't worry, because I can relate to that. Okay. My father, for whatever reason, I would say a couple months ago, I, I stopped by there to drop the dog off. I was going out, you know, only six houses away, as we've noted. 
He goes, oh, look, Muggsy's back. I said, Muggsy's back? What are you talking about, Muggsy's back? Got a new pet? Yeah. He goes, the squirrel. This is a neighborhood squirrel. I go, Dad, we have a million squirrels. What do you mean? He somehow knows this one squirrel's Muggsy. The freaking squirrel walks right up to the stoop of my parents' house. My dad tosses an Oreo outside. The thing eats the Oreo. I go, you feeding a squirrel Oreos? And not to mention, who knows if they can even have chocolate because dogs can't. This squirrel now has been back. And I, I've gotten to know it. You know what I mean? Like, I know what it looks like. And it'll come right up to the door with no fear. And my dad will go out there. My dad's got a big bag of peanuts. He's hit, And the thing's eating out of his hand. Us, uh, that's disgusting. How could a squirrel eat out of your hand? I mean, it just comes up to you and starts eating it. That's not the that's not the issue there. I think my father has gone insane. So bottom line is this. I have now seen this. And it's it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And, like, squirrels deserve to eat and everything like this. <laughs> but now knowing that um, my own member of, a, of my family, my flesh and blood, can have a squirrel eat out of his hand. And I see that squirrels aren't necessarily scared of humans. When I'm laying there like the human bird feeder and I see that squirrel basically doing a circle like jaws around the boat, I'm hearing the music in my head and I go, this thing is going to have no fear to eat off me because it's probably got the scent of that freaking Muggsy squirrel back home and it knows, well, this guy's okay <laughs> with the squirrels. I wasn't okay with it. It was it was hilarious. On it, and I th- I really thought that the squirrel was going to come after you. If you but it stood up like it got into a boxing it stance. It kind of reminded me of that whole that Australian video of the kangaroo yes. and the person. That's yes. what it reminded me of except the you know the squirrel was definitely gonna was gonna kick your ass. That was it wasn't good, man. So that and if you're watching this because I've gotten a lot of questions about the video since, which by the way is unbelievable how many views it's gotten. So for all intents and purposes, I hated this bet. I hated that I had to pay it off, but I did. I will say I thank you all who who watched it because quite frankly I was disgusted watching it, but Ugh. enough people enjoyed it that I mean it's breaking our Facebook records out there. But if I I feel that this question. Was I putting on a show? Was I trying to act or anything? Everything you saw me, and I think, Joe, you could attest to this, was all natural. I was petrified of the squirrel, and you guys know, because it wasn't even a re- initially on camera, how much anxiety I was getting before we went live, because I looked around at all the people that were around. I looked around the cold, and it hit me like, as big of a ham, ham hock, whatever you want to call me, I am. Fat ass. That, okay, no, we're not calling each other fat asses. That was something I wasn't comfortable with. And before I let you go, Joe, one more thing. I didn't appreciate the slapping of the thighs at the end. Uh, I had to, I had to make you go through some more pain. I needed you to suffer a little bit more because no animal attacked you. So I was like, you know what? Let me slap these thighs. It hurt so bad in that cold weather. How does so your bad. body feel after being all Crisco'd up? I tell you, it was key taking the shower. Jay Berman's because I don't live in Manhattan, so Jay Berman doesn't live far from Central Park. He took me over to his place. We went over there. I was able to shower. I felt great. I didn't feel thick or anything like that. Bougie apartment. Yeah, bougie apartment. We'll get into that at some point. Maybe we'll get into that next week because we're running out of time here. But I feel good. Like, today I feel fine. My skin feels fine. The only thing I will say, and it's a little disgusting, I did take a number two this morning. Bird seed in the bowl. Oh. One seed. So somehow that seed was basically wedged in my crack. Oh, that's disgusting. I'm just telling you. So I might be picking bird seeds out until Easter. Let me tell you. Your wife better not find any seeds. Otherwise, you're definitely spending the rest of your life in that spare bedroom. <laughs> and we'll leave you with that. Joe, next week, we'll have you on one more time. We'll just milk the Joe for what we got for your farewell, PGP, all right? Sounds good. The finale. All right. You can follow Joe D right now on Twitter. At Joe D CBS. You can follow me at Miraz CBS. Thank you all for participating in the Birdseed Bet and checking it out. And thank you, as always, for listening to the PGP. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.